Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 7th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 24, starting with the first paragraph. The fact is that most alcoholics have lost the power of choice to drink. We are going to be reading through four paragraphs, ending on page 25. Today's readers are Rossi G., Carolyn S.H., Stephanie L. The reference number for Thursday, April 6, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Meeting is 9806. For Friday this morning, April 7, 7 a.m. Meeting is 9809. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA and to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lindsay B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Uh, this is Lindsay B. from New Hampshire, newly recovered. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Lindsay B. I will now ask Nancy T. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Julie. This is Nancy T., compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no option on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all those tradi- of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 24, starting with the first paragraph. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice to drink and drink. And we will be reading through four paragraphs, ending on the top of page 25, with so many want to stop but cannot. The first paragraph will be read for context only, and the shares will be on the remaining three paragraphs. I will now ask Rossi G. to begin reading. And that's star one to unmute. Okay, Rossi, compulsive overreader, good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Can you hear me? I'm sorry, I'm getting used to this mute, unmute, sorry. Yes, go ahead. Okay. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequences that follow taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old threadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. 
The alcoholic must say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way and after the third or fourth pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many may want to stop, but cannot. Um, and Sherry, I'm, yeah, I'm watching the clock. Okay, so it's 908, so a few minutes. Um, well, for me, this elucidates the disease and that it's the threefold, as I know it, that's um, physical, emotional, spiritual, and um, I completely understand that. Um, but then it's also showing that without without any spiritual help, um, a person is no helped by by other human beings, and, and we know that. I mean, I know this about colleagues in my lives and, and with overreaders. I mean, the, the obesity epidemic. I mean, why it's so disgusting? Why do people? Why does she keep eating the bag of cookies if she's you know that big? I mean, it's it's as if someone could do it themselves and i i just i completely understand that and it and it it's setting up the next step which this being a spiritual program there is no complete recovery or aid without the spirituality of this program and it, and for me it's not the spiritual aspect it is a spiritual program um after so many years uh, that i've been in in hindsight I mean, certainly there are things that have to be taken care of, putting the plug in the jug, being abstinent with whatever food plan you've arrived at to to put the plug in the jug as much as we can, still continuing to eat to live, and then emotional recovery, that bottom line, it has to be supported by uh, a, a spiritual foundation so there's an understanding of ourselves and this disease. So... Um, it's just those paragraphs are just showing that the insanity of picking up the the first bite or first drink, if you will, and then approaching the fact that it's going to be a spiritual recovery. Thank you, Paz. Thank you so much, Rossi T. So to remind everybody, we are reading, um, we read four paragraphs, starting with the fact is that most alcoholics for reasons and through page 25, so many want to stop. We are focusing on our shares on the second, third, and fourth paragraph read. Who would like to share? Nancy T. Nancy T. Charles H. Okay, I heard Charles about after the third person. There was two voices before it, Charles. But it was Stephanie L. Um, we're going to do it again. Stephanie L. Stephanie L. <laughs> Lindsay B. Lindsay B. I didn't get that last one. 
Penny Elsie. Penny Elsie. Okay, we're going to start with Nancy T, Stephanie L, Lindsay B, Charles H, and Penny Elsie. Go ahead, Nancy. Thank you, Julie. Oh, my gosh, my head was nodding the whole, um, all four paragraphs. Um, those, the last three paragraphs that she read, I was especially when it said, if these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old threadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. And I, um, just over 60 days back from a pretty hellish relapse that was over three years. And um, I have to tell you that when I left, I thought, I can do this this time, and here's how. I mean, it's just funny because I was nodding. It says that in, I think, the second um, paragraph that she read, and here's how I'm going to do it. I talked to people. I had a plan. I had The only problem was it was Nancy's plan. Um, I had a plan already when I was working a program, but there were certain things about it that began to irritate me or became discontented with it, and so I thought, well, if I did it this way, it would be better. And I was fully convinced in my mind that um, this time was going to be different and I was going to be able to do it. And I will say it was less than two weeks before I ate my first bite of sugar um, after that. And then, like it says in the second paragraph there that we're sharing on, um, it wasn't long before I was saying that same thing. For God's sakes, how did I ever get started again? Um, and I could not stop. I could not. I tried everything. And three and a half years later, here I am back and so grateful because it's a miracle that I'm back. I just, um, um, I have a new respect for this disease. I have a new respect for the doctor's opinion and more about alcoholism and and the chapters in there that describe me to a T. Um, And um, I just surrender that I am one of those compulsive readers that cannot do it the easier, softer way. And so um, I'm here following the spiritual plan that works every time for the first hundred and still for many, many, many today. Thank you for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. Stephanie L. followed by Lindsay B. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Stephanie L. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. And man, is that, did we read some powerful stuff um, in my big book? I have that italicized paragraph, which, by the way, as we all know, when Bill wants us to really pay attention, he italicizes those words or that paragraph. And, you know, I am without defense against that first compulsive bite. And knowing that I was in relapse for three and a half years, I had been in recovery for long, for, you know, long stretches and relapse. And knowing that, you know, like it says in the, the next paragraph, there's a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hands on a hot stove. I knew what that hot stove was like. I had, you know, been gained and lost 100 pounds more than once. But yet, I believed that it was going to be different this time. I believed that, you know, I can eat sugar-free or I can have one bite or it's going to be okay. Um, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. And I was burned for three and a half years. I could not stop eating. Um, And at the end of that relapse, I was suicidal. I was living to eat. I was sitting in my car and binging all day long, hiding from my family outside the grocery store for eight to 10 hours on Sunday and eight to 10 hours on Saturday. And that was my life. And if that was going to be my life, I didn't want to breathe the air anymore. 
it got really bad. Um, and, you know, and it says in the next paragraph, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. I was so far beyond human aid. Um, and, you know, I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. Um, I wanted to stop. And I, I, I remember sitting there eating, you know, that sugary stuff and crying and say, God, please help me. God, please help me as I'm putting it in my mouth as if God is going to come down and smack smack this stuff out of my hand. And that's just not how it worked. But today that is not where I am because we're going to learn when we read the next paragraph that there is a solution. And the solution that I have found is in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and working these 12 steps and connecting to relying on and surrendering to a power greater than me who has restored me to sanity. I am recovered today by the grace of God and these 12 steps. And I am so, so grateful for that. So thank you for letting me share and I'll pass. Thank you, Stephanie L. Lindsay B. followed by Charles H. Yes, um, good morning. This is Lindsay B., newly recovered from And, um, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about here. You know, um, the old threadbare idea that this time we should handle ourselves like other people. You know, when I first came into these rooms, pretty desperate, you know, over over 30 years ago, and um, I picked up again and again, absolutely convinced that this time it was going to be different, even though I'd already had, you know, a good, you know, 15 years of that not being true. Um, what's happened as the disease progressed is that um, I would have this idea, I knew that it meant a binge, I knew that, but I then believed this other lie that told me, I'm just going to be able to get back on track. And that's what I did for many, many years. It was definitely, you know, um, dieting with group support. And I always managed to stay in a normal sized body because I switched seats on the Titanic and chose other things to get addicted to. So it was always control, control. And then most recently with just this a horrible, horrible relapse and my binges were getting more and more and more violent. You know, it became really clear through listening to so many other people, a lot of speakers on special edition who really, you know, I was listening to in a whole new way. Um, talk about trying to, you know, like a drowning man. I listened to these words of people that had been in this relapse and what, what they had learned. And I realized that I knew once I picked up that maybe it would be three seconds of, uh, you know, ecstasy party in my mouth and then nothing but misery. And Ruth talks about, in one of her special editions, um, she talks about the cycle of addiction and she talks about it being a clock. You know, when we start off, you know, we just had a binge remorse and then we say we're never going to do it again and then we get restless, irritable and, and, and discontent, you know, and then all of a sudden we pick up again and then the cycle goes on and on. And what she says is that what happens is that, the, I, I, I believe, uh, uh, she says as the disease progresses, this circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller and that was what was happening. I kidded myself that I could get back on track and I couldn't. And this last time around, you know, I think I gained 20 pounds, you know, within three weeks, which for me was huge. You know, it was, so that circle was getting smaller and smaller and the body size, all that stuff, I was still, you know, looking okay. But my life became so tiny, so limited, uh, losing friends, not being able to show up for this, hadn't yet lost my job, but I could see that happening. All the things I said would never happen to me. You know, it was really clear if I continued. And thank God, uh, you know, not that long ago, I came to a whole new sense of uh, surrender and understood 
the first step in a whole new way. And the one thing I heard that I'd heard before, but this time I heard it was, you know, I don't have to give up these foods. The idea of living without my binge foods, particularly sugar, you know, was just, I, I couldn't do it. But the pain of, of, of picking up became stronger than the pain of not picking up. And I finally took that first step. And it's like, I, I'm on it. I can't Hi. give it up. I don't have to give it up. God took it away. And I never got that before. So very, very grateful. And I passed. Thank you, Lindsay B. Charles H. followed by Penny Elsie. Good morning, Julie. Charles H. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The hot stove analogy. I got an analogy for you. Recovery glaze. You know, I just love the realness. And, um, you know, I know why I picked up. Because I never, you know, <laughs> funny thing. You don't have to put it down if you don't pick it up, right? And, and, and the big book is going into the mind now. We're switching from, you know, the body to the mind, as has been so well stated in the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I never, I never binge on plain donuts. But if you put some glaze on it, um, I, I'm going for it. And today, just for today, um, no glaze, man, no glaze. I put my my hand on the hot stove every time I open my mouth because um, I'm just not, like, with the, the, the fakeness. i got to be straight transparent and show all my weaknesses so that I can get some help. I feel some type of way sometimes. That's why I fall back. Every conversation that I ever had, I dominated it, and then I sucked the energy out of that person. I no longer want to do that. I no longer want to put my hand on that stove. I don't want to have no church glaze, no recovery glaze, no sapping the energy out of your glaze. I just want to be a, a, a more humble person, and that is not natural for me. Every time I open my mouth, every time my eyes open, um, I, I got my hand on that hot stove, you know, because the control piece and the just, just dogging people out mentally, man, Oh, man, God, thank you for taking it away from me. I know how it happened. I know how it happened, and there is a solution from that, too. The solution is just fall back, bro. I ain't that. You know, I love when people share what's going on because I can tell you, I hear it at conventions. The best meetings are the ones after the meetings. Oh, you know, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Keep it real. Stop the glaze, man. No more glaze, man. There's one way to keep your hand off the hot stove, by being real and saying, yo, I can't keep my hand off the hot stove. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. And Penny Elsie, you're next. Thank you very much, Julie. This is Penny Elsie, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. And um, these paragraphs speak to me that once more, this big book is going to drive home to me the absolute devastation that I've been facing with my disease. Once more, the powerlessness of, of this disease that I am in the grips of. And it's, you know, I, I demonstrated it to myself over and over by the delusion that I could pick up once more my alcoholic foods and somehow I thought I would get away with it. Somehow I thought it would be different. But, you know, there again, what did I believe? 
I believed I thought I had the power of choice, but there was no choice. I believed a lie. And every time I ran smack into the truth, you know, that truth that I am a compulsive overeater, I am powerless, and without my higher power's support and and power, I'm, my life is going to be unmanageable. It's a it's just a guarantee, and it's and this these paragraphs are driving it home yet one more time, so that I will know that that I have on my own power no solution, but there is a solution. It's a spiritual solution, and that's what they're going to show us. But first, that last statement comes right before that. So many want to stop but cannot. The want to, I wanted to. Gosh, my want to's were left, right, and center. But it didn't happen on my own, and it never would happen on my own. I had to be willing to surrender to a power greater than myself and turn my will and my life over to that power, then that's when I was going to find a way through it, a way out of it. And I'm so grateful to be there today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Penny Elsie. And who else would like to share on the last three paragraphs read on page 24 and ending 25? Hi, this is Holly from... Holly? Holly M. from New York, Buffalo okay, And who else? Okay, and who else? Stephanie N. Stephanie N. Yes. I'm Miriam T. from New York. Miriam T. Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Michelle Daddy W. G. Michelle W. And then there was somebody right before Michelle W. Sandy T. from California. Sandy T. Yes. Great. Okay, we're going to start with Holly M. and then Stephanie N. Yeah, hi, I'm Holly M. from the Buffalo, New York area. And um, reading this this morning just uh, gives me hope because um, this is how I think, this is what I do. Like, it's just so clear the problem with my thinking. And um, without reading this and without being on this call, this is my first time ever participating. Um, you know, you, you, you're so alone, you know, and it's not, it, it's until you until you, it just reminds me of the we, like I hear people share on these, um, these three paragraphs and they have recovery and it just gives me hope. Um, time and time again, these three paragraphs prove true. And, um, you know, so many want to stop but cannot. To know that this isn't where this book ends is so hopeful to me because, you know, I go to bed every night and I really want to stop. You know, I'm in hell again. And uh, I wake up and today's the day I'm going to stop and now go back to paragraphs, you know, two, three, and four. And um, that that there's hope that, that there is an end, um, that it's possible. Right, because you can just feel like it's never gonna end, but but it does. Um, so I'm just really grateful to 
be on this call and to listen to people with recovery, you know, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of body and mind, and to be reminded that um, if this were just about the weight, it would be bad enough. Um, it's just about living in insanity. And uh, so, a pass. Thank you. Thank you, Holly M. Stephanie N., you're next, followed by Miriam T. Okay, this is Stephanie N., recovered in Kansas. Um, what was, this is saying to me is that um, if we don't see that recovery in our local meetings, uh, there's a lot of recovery here on the line, but for me in my local meetings, there wasn't. And I had to move forward in faith, um, just trusting that that there is recovery from this program. And, um, you know, my, my people-pleasing and my pride and my ego wanted me to be able to eat with impunity. I wanted to be able to do what I saw my friends and family doing. And so I was stuck in that place of, I really want this. I want to believe that this works. And I want to be like all the people around me. And just shifting between those two things. And um, it is only from the grace of God, only from the grace of my higher power, who I call God, that um, I've been able to become abstinent and recovered from this seemingly, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I don't have the, um, the pull to the food anymore that I used to. And um, it is only through that spiritual experience, the humility of laying down the food, the, the humility of surrendering and leaning into God, my higher power in the steps and um, doing, you know, being obedient, doing what my sponsor told me to do and just trusting the program, trusting that it works and moving forward. Um, he has commenced to accomplish those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. And that is the great fact for me. That's the truth for me. He commenced to accomplish the things that for years and years, decades, I couldn't do by myself. And for that, I'm so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Stephanie. And Miriam T. followed by Sherry KB. Star one to unmute, Marion. Okay, Marion might be having trouble, so let's move on to Sherry KB, and then we'll try her out. Hello. Oh, yes, I can. Yes. Okay. Miriam? Good. I'm sorry. Yes, this is Miriam T. Sorry, I had some problem with unmuting. Um, yes. Uh, Ditto, ditto, ditto from all the shares that um, I, uh, I'm hearing this morning. Um, recovering from a hopeless state of mind and body. Um, that is, uh, to me, the hope for solution. I, um, I have so many years of, of had some form of recovery relapsed, some form of recovery relapsed. And I, it, the, the, the mind, it says the mind comes before the body. I had to put the food down, the sugar food for me personally down. And when I, the, the baffling, cunning, and powerful distortion and delusion that I play every time I pick up something and thinking that the next time it's going to be different, 
that I will next time be able to hold on to this abstinence and recovery is 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 exactly as described in the book and shared by people. Part of it is me coming out, uh, me working this program is getting out of this uh, isolation, having it thinking that uh, the mind games inside my head can start playing tricks. I'm getting out, I'm sharing, I'm listening, and with that comes recovery. Of course, working the steps and leaning on, on for me, God, a, a higher power, I cannot have it Miriam's way. It has to be my higher power way. And this program and the steps are showing me how so that I can get out of this hopeless state of mind and body so that I could function in the world, can function with my family and with with the rest without having my mind occupied and uh, uh, kind of chained to, to, to the foods. So I am so grateful. Thank you for listening. And keep up, all, keeping it up is is giving me tremendous amount of hope. God bless you all. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Miriam T. And Sherry KB, followed by Sandy T. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, a great little recovered compulsive reader. Thanks for your service, Julie. You know, when I'm reading, listening to everybody and reading these paragraphs, what this reminds me of is it's the mental twist and the mental blank spot getting together and telling the intellect it's going to be okay, it's going to be different this time. And especially right here when it says, you know, how often I've begun to drink in a nonchalant way after the third or fourth, pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? And this reminds me of telling myself, um, starting Monday, I am going to do it differently. I'm definitely going to do it differently. I've been proud of myself all day long. I'm going to do it differently. I'm driving on my way home. Next thing I know, the wheel of my car is turning into that place, into that store to go get those items. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pounding on my steering wheel of my car. How did I get here again? Why did I get here again? And I don't know how. But it's that mental twist, a mental blank spot telling my intellect it's going to be different this time. And you know what? And then all of a sudden my disease takes over and I'm in there doing it again. And it says, you know, we put our our hands on a hot flame. I mean, I don't know about you, but how insane does that, how insane is that? That's crazy making. But you know what? When I'm in my disease, my disease could care less. My disease wants me in the food in misery, fat, miserable, unhappy, and if not, dead. But with this book, I can get out of that with with the aid of a higher power, not human aid, but with a higher power. If I get into the work, and that's just it. My disease, you know, I hear so many people going, but it's so much work. No, it's not to compare to how much time you spent in the disease. Um, for me, you know, this work is saving my life. And before, I avoided it like the plague, but, you know, my disease always won out because I wasn't in the book. I wasn't asking for human aid. I mean, human aid. Uh, my higher powers help. I wasn't asking for the aid of somebody to take me through these steps. And the steps are where I'm going to get my recovery with getting myself unblocked with my higher power. And I'll tell you what, I had an experience yesterday that was really rough. And, you know, I got on my knees and I said, God, please, please help me. I need it. I need it badly. And you know what? All I heard was Sherry get up. 
And when I got up, it felt lifted. And I've heard people talk about how it gets lifted, and I'm here to tell you it can get lifted for you too. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carrie B. Carrie KB. Sherry. <laughs> Sherry KB. Uh, Sandy T., you're next, followed by Michelle W. Hi, this is Sandy T. from California. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. This is the first time I've shared. I've been listening all week, sporadically, for about a year now, but all week, every morning, with this wonderful 7 o'clock California time program. Uh, All the words that are coming to me are just, they're like a a bath, a wonderful, warm uh, bath of hope that's coming over me. And I just wanted to thank everyone who's on the line and who's willing to share and thank you so much. And with that, I thank pass. you. Thank you, Sandy T. And Michelle W., you're next. Hi, this is Michelle W. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Great, thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm Michelle W. I'm a compulsive eater in New York. And um, I love listening to these meetings, um, they've really helped my program. So much. So I'm so appreciative of the study of the big book and identification up and down the line and really thinking about this power of choice. And, you know, I spend so much time looking for the reasons. Why? Why do I why do I have to eat until everything's gone? Why can't I eat like a lady? Why do I need to feel like I'm so full and through working the steps and studying the big book and and talking to other compulsive eaters it, it you know the the reason why didn't matter as much anymore because it just kept me spinning in circles trying other other solutions that would only address the weight issue and so when this idea of powerlessness came into my life through the doctor's opinion it changed everything because i started to understand once i once I thought it was okay that it won't burn me this time and I chose to put the substance in my body, all bets were off. I lost all power and um, and uh, I would keep going until everything was gone. And the memory that it talks about of the humiliation, you know, not being able to go to work after binging all weekend long because my pants wouldn't fit anymore. You know, I would, I would, put on stretchy pants and forget by the end of the day the humiliation that I woke up with only to, you know, circle back and and start cruising the supermarkets again after work. And um, how how I bring my higher power into this, and it talks about, you know, knowing the consequences. You know, that's how my higher power really helps me. It it gives me this um, voice of reason that tells me there will be consequences if I choose to eat certain foods or eat in a certain way. And, you know, then the decision is mine. Do I want those consequences? Do I want them? And um, and it's usually when I have to pick up tools to help me not to make that choice. Um, really grateful to have this uh, this meeting, and thank you. I pass. Thank you, Michelle W. This is Julie R. I'm going to sneak in for a second. You know, there is so many things in these um, paragraphs. When it talks about that almost certain consequence, you know, that follows by even taking a glass or, for me, a bite, a lick, a taste. 
you know, that could never stop me because it's like I think of the jaywalker story. You know, I, I keep on going, no matter, knowing that I'm going to get hit by a car, but I can't stop, right? I had lost that power a long time ago. And, you know, it didn't matter if, you know, when I went into relapse that I lost 70 pounds in four months. I mean, lost, gained 70 pounds in four months. That wasn't enough to deter me because either I thought, well, this time it's not going to burn me like it says later, or I didn't even think. I just did it. I will deal with this later. I will deal with those consequences because I must have this. You know, I'm mandated. And, you know, it goes on to say that um, when this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual, well, what kind of thinking? Well, the thinking that I just talked about, that, you know, I can't stop myself or I can try to go on a diet or I could get a new food plan. I can do this. But if I don't have that spiritual experience, that spiritual awakening, I will always turn to the food for the solution because that's what I, I've always done. And I, and I get the same results, right? You know, yeah, burn yourself with a hot stove. doesn't matter. I mean, I love thinking about well, the old days when we used to make pudding and we'd have to cook it on the stove. And I would eat it and I would burn the roof of my mouth. But you know what? I would do it every time I made pudding. So it didn't matter that I was going to burn the roof of my mouth. I still did it because I didn't have a choice because I was in the throes of the disease, mind and body. And, you know, so where am I today? Oh, my gosh, the freedom, right? I, I don't think about the consequences because I don't think about overeating. I don't have the obsession. It has totally been removed now for two and, almost two and a half years. I mean, not once do I think about overeating or wanting something. Why? Why Why did that happen to me from somebody who was 300 pounds and eating out of the garbage and eating frozen foods, eating, you know, hot foods, eating spoiled foods, stealing out of people's drawers? Why did that happen? Because of following the directions in this big book. You know, this doesn't just take the weight off or put the weight on if you're anorexic. This gives you a new way of living and a new way of thinking and a new way of acting. And you know what? I couldn't have done it without following the exact, exact instructions of this big book. You know, the food is down and then the real work begins. And it's so exciting to be free from looking at that. Uh, I think somebody's unmuted. Um, you know, looking about the way that I acted and the way that I thought and the way that I was that puppet on the string. I didn't have a choice but just to eat. And now it's like I choose, I choose God, my creator, my higher power. And um, you know what? It's an exciting life. Even when I have, quote, unquote, horrific work days, it's exciting. Um, so I would like to invite a few more people. Um, we are sharing on the last three paragraphs read. On page four. Wendy oh, hold on. Okay, we got to start over. Deanna, kind of like Deanna B. Polly Q. And then, and then there was a pin. It was Penny C. Christina J. Martha Christina, S. Christina J. Okay, I think we're going to run out of time. After Christina J., there was one other person. Martha S. There you go, Martha S. Okay, we'll start with that. Okay, Deanna B. and then Penny C.
Thank you so much. Wow, all the things that were said. I'm right here, uh, and I'm so grateful for this meeting. I came back from a vacation, and there was a second meeting added. I am so grateful for that. Um, I need to time myself. Okay. Uh, Anyway, the lies we tell ourselves, that's what I was thinking about when you were reading. Uh, People were reading and commenting, how many excuses did I used to give myself? And you know, someone else had said, many people, I do, I choose God, and God's there with me all the time. I cannot do it myself. And when I think I can, uh, I know something happens, like some little nudge, and my sponsor has suggested that I say, thank you, God, for letting me be aware that I'm human and I still have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, I'm reminded that when I get down on myself and I beat myself up, that's not being humble, you know. That's that ego, and that ego reduction for me is very, very difficult. But what I wanted to share is mostly, uh, oh, it was almost a couple years ago, I was down a few pounds below my normal weight. I had to have open-heart surgery. It was somewhat of an emergency. My nutritionist who worked with me, and I got her number through a vision, um, increased my food. I said, I don't want you to increase it. She said, you have to increase it, and I prayed about it. And she increased my food. It was very difficult while I was in the nursing home getting the foods I needed, but with prayer, God's help, and you people, I got through it. So what happened, and then I went into cardiac rehab. And one of the tasks there, because of certain things that happened with our body, I had to weigh myself and check in every other day when I went there. Uh, I prayed a lot about that because I used to be obsessed with the scale. Anyway, uh, so cardiac rehab was three or four months, and after that, uh, I didn't exercise as much. I did not change my food. I was aware, I said, it was a lie that I told myself that it's okay when down deep I knew that if I was not willing to maybe get back into compulsive exercising or whatever, that I would gain weight. So over the last year and a half, it's itself up. And my sponsor said, if I hear you say something one more time, we, we have to look at it. And so I did, and I went back to what it was before, and, you know, I feel free. Did I break my abstinence? No. Did I gain weight? Yes. Is it the end of the world? No, because God is listening. God is me. And I just appreciate so much, uh, you people. Thank you so much. Bye. Hi. And Penny C., um, you'll probably be our last share. Thank you. Go ahead. Oh, I was unmuting. Did you call me? I did. Oh, okay. Thank you, Julie. Um, My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. And the one one little phrase here that really, really speaks to me is, what's the use anyhow? Oh, my gosh. I so remember being in that, that state of, why don't I just accept the fact that I'm always going to be fat? 
You know, why keep bothering? I could lose weight. I lost weight several times. I got so so thin at one point that the doctors wanted to do a bone marrow test on me, thinking that I had some some horrible disease. And uh, it was that I wasn't eating. I was eating almost nothing. And I had tried every resource I could think of. And, of course, you know, that willpower that I thought was what helped me lose all the weight when I did, that failed me over and over again. So I could stop for a short time, even sometimes for months or even a year at a time, but I couldn't stay stopped. And when I was stopped, I wasn't eating healthily either. And so having, you know, thinking that I had used every resource, I had just given in. I threw in the towel. And then God stepped in. And just by chance, I was visiting a church that wasn't even my own and just happened to pick up a bulletin. And there it said there was an OA meeting there on Wednesday nights. And now I was the first, you know, I knew how to get to that church now. And it was June and it was beautiful weather. And okay, I'll I'll try one more thing. I don't know what the use is, but I'll just try it. And there I found the one resource I had never, never employed before. And that was the God of my understanding. I had never even given a thought to the idea that I could ask God to help me that there was a spiritual component, that I had a disease. I didn't know I had a disease. But that spiritual component was what was missing all those years. And I walked out of that room having had my a real spiritual awakening. And I was, I was just amazed that, you know, I'm on the road to real recovery now. And and as as would have it, having paid my dues in so many other programs and finding out all the things that didn't work, I walked out of that room and, and that was that was three decades ago and I've been abstinent ever since. What a wonderful, wonderful solution this this chapter is telling us. That is the solution that had evaded me for so many years. And I thank you all for listening. And um, God bless. Thank you, Penny C. I would like to thank everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Carolyn S.H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning, everyone. Carolyn S.H. in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God and, whoops, excuse me. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit 
and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.